All right. Hey, how are you? This is another episode of Film Streak. And thank you for listening. Thank you for checking this out. If you're new to Film Streak, my name is Rob. And every episode here, I go back and I talk about some new movies that I've seen. And they're not necessarily new releases, although I have been doing a lot of those lately. Uh, I also go back and look at older films, uh, maybe some indie films, some art house stuff, some foreign films that I just, I, I, they just passed by me. I, I either ignored them or I never knew about them in the first place. Or even some of the classics that I, for one reason or another, just kind of uh, put off until now. Now I'm doing that. Now I'm working on that watch list. I'm trying to get it down. And so that's a big goal here in Film Streak is a little bit of a personal challenge to watch as many movies as I can and not necessarily watch the same old things because I can do that anytime. I'm trying to expand the horizons a little bit. If you're finding this on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, go to filmstreak.com and you can find other episodes there. If you sign up to subscribe by email, you can get the new episodes every time they come out. You can get them straight into your email inbox. Also, though, if you subscribe there, you can get the full you can get a link to the full list of every movie that I've talked about here in Film Street. So 173 films I've already talked about previous to this. You can see all of those. You can get the full list on IMDb and you can add those to your watch list. And maybe you can find some more information about them. Maybe you can find where to watch them if they're streaming online somewhere or or even buy them, you know, buy them on Blu-ray or, or whatever. So go there, sign up for that and do that. You get list, you'll get access to that list and then you can uh, just catch some of these movies if you haven't seen them before. Now, one of the other things about um, doing this film streak thing and and making that list and really really trying to keep tabs on it is um, over the last year, you know, it's been an interesting year uh, of the, the film streak podcast really started out as one thing, trying to watch a new movie every single day and talk about that in every episode that kind of, that became a little hard to do as some personal things in life took priority. I couldn't really do that. I uh, wasn't even really inclined to watch movies. Uh, it just wasn't something I was enjoying for a moment. So I had to take a break, did a little bit of regrouping, a little bit of rethinking, found a little bit of a different approach. And so we're back on it, you know? So there's a little bit of a gap in some of the episodes this year, but as we reach the end of 2022, I can go back and I can say, oh, you know what? Maybe I didn't really have the right take on this movie, or maybe I just, I just need to look into it a little deeper. Um, one that I, I went back and saw, it was in the second episode was Hot Summer Nights. Uh, another one is Climax. Another that I watched, uh, I, I went back and found again. Uh, let me see here. Babylon. That was from an early episode also. It's not the new film that just come out, the Damien Chazelle thing. Not that. This is a film from 1980. It's a really interesting, really, uh, to me, very entertaining. I love the music, I, the, the culture, the style of it. Uh, it's just something about it. Just really, I connect with for some reason. Uh, let me see. There are a couple of others here. Friday after next, I just watched again because, aside from being a, a stoner film and you know about the 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 two dudes hanging out, just kind of getting high and stuff, it's also in its own way, it's also a Christmas movie. So here at the end of the year, I went back and watched it again, and 
just saw it through a little bit of a different lens. Still fun, still a good time. To me, it still holds up. It's not a perfect movie. It's not the best comedy in the world, but it is still fun to watch. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I was worried that that just wouldn't translate to home video and watching it on a television. And it still does, though. It's got enough depth to it and enough um, emotional, uh, enough of a core to it that it doesn't just totally hit with a thud, you know? Uh, there, there's maybe a couple of others that I've gone back and watched again, but those are the ones that, hey, I just thought, let me just give it a second chance and still works. Or maybe I saw some new things about it. It's always fun about watching a movie and giving your take on it and then realizing, oh, you know what? Maybe I need to look into it a little bit deeper. So anyway, that's that's part of the exercise here for the end of the year is being able to do that. Now, Also, part of the exercise for the end of the year is let's look at maybe some of the best of the year. And, uh, you know, I don't really like to get into this kind of a discussion in most cases because of this being Film Streak. And this is kind of the idea of watching something new. And I have tried to watch a lot of current movies like from this year. And so some of those I've talked about. um, But here uh, I thought, you know what? There's going to be some stuff that I missed. So let me go and find a list that just kind of made sense. Maybe give me a little bit of a starting point. And so since I have the film streak list of all these films on IMDb, I just went to IMDb and saw what do they have? They must have a list of, you know, top movies of the year. They do have it's uh, let me see. It's called the IMDb best of top movies, 2022. And I'll put a link to that in this episode. Looking at the list, some of these films, I wouldn't really say they're the best of the year. And so I have to remind myself, IMDb is probably doing this with a little bit of a different metric or criteria for what is the top movie or what is the best of the top movies. And it's probably more about what is getting the most traffic, getting the most search uh, results, or even, you know, what is... Um, the commercial, the the big hits, all that to say, I looked at this list and I'll kind of give you just the, the short version of it. Um, there are some movies on here that I've already seen. I've already covered here on film streak, uh, death on the Nile, everything everywhere, all at once. Uh, let's see. Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Thor, Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness, the Batman. And those are all fine, but clearly those are all big blockbuster, a lot of superhero comic book movies. And if you notice, I didn't count 10 movies out. There are some in there that I hadn't seen yet. So That's the point. That's the goal with this episode is we're going to wrap this up. We're going to wrap up 2022, at least according to this one single arbitrary list. And we're going to talk about those. So let's get into it real quick. This next one up, we're picking it up where we left off now. We're at Film Streak 174. This is The Gray Man. What do you know about the Sierra program? Reckless mystery men you guys send in when you can't officially send anyone else? The gray man. Lloyd. They got an 
urgent locate and destroy. That could be fun. The man's got some street cred. You hurt? I mean, my ego's a little bruised. And have something they really want. It's your gut. It's gonna be my funeral you're going to next. You wanna make an omelet? You gotta kill some people. You must be Lloyd. What gave it away? The trash stash. It just, it leans Lloyd. so big on your boy's head that even his most loyal allies won't hesitate to drop a dime. Every grade A wet team from here to Reykjavik will be vying for the prestige of killing the infamous Sierra Six. I can kill anybody. Okay, so, you know, the the thing I was alluding to is that this seemed to make a lot of news because this was a big deal for Netflix to pick up this production. This is a film that's written and directed by the team, the directors and the screenwriters who put together the Avengers, uh, Infinity War and Endgame, a lot of that, even the Captain America movies, Anthony Russo and Joe Russo and screenwriters, Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely. Those guys really just nailed so much about the uh, Marvel Avengers storyline. And they did it in such a big, spectacular way that really, really, I, I mean, it, it was a success, but also it worked. You know, it worked on a dozen different levels. There's so much that was going on in that movie. It was almost impossible to think that that could actually work. And this team made it work. And so to think that their next thing is going to be an action film, a big action film starring Chris Evans, Captain America himself, Ryan Gosling, another big name. It's one of those that it seemed like this is just the deck was stacked in Netflix's favor for this to be a monster success. And I'm sure that was a big part of greenlighting this thing is, uh, how can this not work? And so, you know, watching it and understanding a little bit of that background, I can say that for me, it's just actually kind of a disappointment. You know, if this were a film that were made by someone else, maybe a, a, a newer filmmaker, a younger filmmaker, maybe somebody who's not as experienced, uh, I, I would think this was pretty successful. But coming from that team, and and even with these actors, something about it just doesn't work for me. It just feels like there's so much going on in this film. It's the the, the story is maybe too convoluted, too uh, too chaotic. It kind of jumps around in time, jumps around in locations, and uh, it was just trying to do maybe too much. You know, 
if I can just give you the basics here, Ryan Gosling plays a, a CIA operative who is really good at what he does, and yet he also has a history, and in, in, in the sense that he's kind of the man without a name. He's the gray man. He's the faceless ghost that moves in and out, that gets the job done and disappears. Cool. I like that idea. It's been done before, but I like the idea. What is that life like? He's on a mission, doesn't go as planned. Actually turns out that he might have really screwed some other things up because he didn't finish the mission or, or take out the target or whatever. So now the powers that be that put him into play, now they need to take care of him. So they send in an assassin to take him out. And that is Chris Evans. And so these two guys, their charisma, their chemistry even with each other, the banter, it feels fun. It feels alive. And yet the story, the plot is so far reaching and, and just got so many like tendrils that I can't really, I just had a hard time really following or not even following, just caring about everything that was going on in the movie. It just felt like it was a, a film that was hindered by its own excess. The budget was there maybe, and the talent was there, and the support was there to do whatever and however. It just felt like everything was thrown into the pot, and maybe we didn't need everything in there. That just muddied everything up. In the end, I think the film is its not very entertaining, or at least it wasn't to me. You know, the the most interesting or even amusing parts of the film were just scenes where the the actors are just talking to each other and they're kind of taking shots at each other and they're, you know, they're getting punchy and all that. Uh, that was fun. But some of the action itself, it's so big and so complicated. Some of it even somehow gets a little hard to follow just visually, you know? So, there, there's a point where it just becomes exhausting. And I just didn't really, I didn't really care about what happened to whoever next. And so for me, it's just the, the money is on the screen and I always like to see that. But if it doesn't add up to anything that you care about, what was it for? And yet, it's like, I would want to see this film I, <laughs> with these actors and, and this basic premise. Yeah, this sounds like a good film, but the way the, the, the end result here, it's, it just doesn't really work. It's kind of a pass for me. I mean, if you just really have nothing else to watch at the moment, you like these actors, maybe this is something to check out, but otherwise, I. Uh, anybody who's involved with this film has made better films. So maybe it's better to just watch those instead. All right. So we're going to keep moving. Um, the next one up, this is film streak 175, the Northman. Now behold. He's here. King, my lady. The king. Your fate is set and you cannot escape it. How oh, I've missed you, my son. One 
them will be yours. Thank you, Father. My king. Okay, so now, first of all, okay, let me start with this. This is a film written and directed by Robert Eggers, who, I mean, down to production design, the cinematography, the everything, the sound, the, the writing, everything is so distinctly this filmmaker's work. But this is really a big epic, and it's brutal, and it's powerful. And it's soulful. And I just wasn't expecting that. And and not to say that that's a bad thing. I just figured, oh, this is, this is the dude's lane is to make these films that are about like a handful of characters in these really odd situations in these historic or, or remote settings. And here, I mean, it's, it's got those elements, but it's also much bigger. It's not a matter of, one story playing out over a short amount of time. It's a story that plays out over decades. And so even the, the level of authenticity in terms of the language or, or the dialect, I should say, um, it comes across, it feels entirely real. And so the basic premise of it is that, uh, there's a young prince that who, at a young age, sees his father, the king, killed before his very eyes by his brother, by, by the king's brother, by the young boy's uncle. And his mother is taken, presumably taken prisoner or, or maybe even killed. You're never really sure because then we jump many years ahead to where this young boy is now grown and he's grown in a whole different society of warriors and 
uh, a clan that basically roams the countryside and just, you know, doing the whole rape and pillage thing. Really, it's kind of disturbing stuff. But he's become a brute now. And he's drawn back into this quest for revenge for everything that happened to his father and his life. And there are some things that are revealed as the story plays on. And it's like, maybe things aren't what he thought or things aren't what he believed. And yet it all plays against this epic backdrop. This kind of a story, because it it is really at its core, it is kind of just a personal story. It's about this one character's own uh, quest for vengeance. It's interesting to see so much of the world around him getting wrapped up into this. I I can understand the idea of like, let's, let's do something bigger than what we've done before. For the most part, it really works. And yet at the same time, I feel like we're pushing in two different directions here. And so that's not to say this is a bad film. I like this film. I like everything that's done here. I think it just feels gritty and it feels powerful and it feels raw and it looks beautiful at the same time. It's scary, but it's also mesmerizing. And that's not an easy line to walk. And yet, that's something that that seems to kind of be Robert Eggers. That's his bag, you know? I mean, I remember with The Witch, watching that film in a theater and not really knowing what was going to happen and just taking it all in, just kind of being there. It's really powerful when it works. And this one works the same way. And so, you know, it may not be for everybody. It's not a fast-paced action movie. It's not, it, it takes its time. It even gets into some very surreal and almost, I, I guess, supernatural territory. But when it really works, it's kind of magical. So it's a recommendation for me. It's maybe going to be an acquired taste. The scope, like I said, it's really one man's story. But the, the quest that he's on, it's not a short quest and it's not an easy one. And so that's what I think, that's what this film really gets across in the end. It's like, this is a hard world that this man is moving through. And what he's trying to do is damn near impossible. And yet we're going to watch him do it. So that's a recommendation for me. That's the Northman. And um, ah, I, you know, I'm actually just curious to see what Robert Edgar does next. I, I don't know that his next film will be this big. Maybe it'll be something smaller. Maybe it'll be bigger. I don't know. But I'm always interested now to see what he's going to do next. All right. So let's keep this moving. We're going to keep Film Streak moving to number 176, X. Farmer's daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. Ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X Factor. Our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we come. I just want to Oh, this is it. Our own studio backlog. You're looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one. Ugly son bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. So I would appreciate a little discretion. 
Inside. What do you think is on it? I see one goddamn fucked up horror picture. Okay, so you might remember in a previous episode, if you've listened to some of those, that I did talk about a film by writer and director Ty West called The House of the Devil. And I want to say that was like from 2000, 2009. And, uh, you know, I, the one thing I really took away from that, I haven't watched it again, but the one thing I did take away on that first watch is that here's a filmmaker who is very set on recreating or at least paying homage to a certain time period, a certain style, a certain uh, aesthetic, and nailed it with that film. Here in X, a similar thing. It's it's a little bit um it's a little bit of a horror movie. It's a little bit of a um adult film. I, I just say because the nature of the of what the characters are doing. They it's a group of young people, they're going to this remote farm, they're renting basically a, a like a farmhouse or a cabin, and they're gonna just shoot their own no budget independent, whatever you want to call it, uh, adult film. And the film takes place in 1979. And everything just feels so accurate to the period. You know, the early discussions that the characters have with each other as they're riding in this van, they're going out to this place. They're kind of talking about their dreams and their aspirations and how they're going to, they're trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to get seen. They're trying to be something. And their thing is, well, we're going to do it with this film. We're going to make a film here that's going to get people's attention. We're going to turn into movie stars and whatever. And yet it's relevant to today. I mean, if this if this were a film that took place today, uh, you could say, oh, these are, you know, young people. They're, they're trying to become influencers. They're trying to, you know, make it big on TikTok or YouTube or something like that. So there's a parallel. I, I could see the the kind of connection. But also, I mean, 
aside from that, there's the the this place that they get to. It's this remote farm with this cabin, and it's owned by this old man and his wife. And they seem very uh <laughs> the easy way to say it would be they're creepy as hell. But the film doesn't stop there. It doesn't just make them weirdos or, you know, country hicks or psychos or whatever. Uh, They're all of those things. But it goes further. It tells you a little bit more. It gives you a little more under the surface of, okay, they're weird, they're crazy, but there's something else. They're troubled. They're sad. And, uh, (laughs) you know, that's maybe the surprising part of the film is, okay, once you get, once you catch on that it's a horror film and these young people might not make it through the night or through their stay there, uh, you, you kind of get the gist. You, you start setting up your expectations of what's going to happen. And those, some of those things do happen. But the additional stuff that you get about, well, who are these people? Who is this old man and his wife? And all that talk about dreams and aspirations and trying to be somebody. Hey, they were young too. And they had their dreams and they had their aspirations. And those things didn't work out apparently. And what does that mean? And wow, you know, to me, that was like an extra layer that really gave me more to think about. You know, I wasn't just interested in how they're going to kill these kids or, you know, how they're going to jump out and scare them or whatever. But I was also also interested in why. And it's not really something that you see a lot in horror films. You know, I, I feel like the closest, most identifiable, like, um, Influence or or parallel, you know, another film that you could pretty quickly say, oh, this is like that. Maybe the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, in a way. Young people end up in this remote place out in the country, and this family, and it's only a, a wife and a husband, but these people, they come after them. And in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for instance, Oh, they're just, they're just psychos. They're just crazy. Here, though, there's a deeper, really kind of a sadder story behind it all. So for me, this one really worked. This one really landed what I feel like was intended. It wasn't just another horror movie. It's got more to it. And it's got, it's got a, a rawness to it. And I, and I think I remember saying that about The House of the Devil where it feels a little gritty. It feels a little dirty. You know, if you would have said this film was made in 1979, I probably would believe it. It looks a little cleaner, just visually, but a lot of the camera angles, a lot of the lighting, so many touches in here, it feels like a movie of that era. And if that's the goal, which I feel like was the goal, then we got a winner. So I like this. I, I liked X. Um, there was also, after this, there was a prequel that was almost immediately released. I think it was only a few months after. It's called Pearl. And I believe that is the woman in the, in the, the old woman in this movie. 
And from what I understand, there's also a sequel, like, or at least another film in this now series coming up pretty fast. I, that's promising to me. I'm really excited to see what those are going to be like. I haven't watched Pearl yet, and I, I'm not even sure what the next film is going to be called, but I'm in. Count me in. So that's a recommendation for me. Check it out. Check out X. It's pretty solid, I think. Good work. Good work. All right, so let's get to the next one here. Film Streak 177, Glass Onion. Hello! Oh, my God! Crew, we've arrived. Disruptors have assembled. Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Blanc. I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? I've invited you all to my island. Hi. Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. Well, this is truly delightful. Across the island, I've hidden clues. You will have to closely observe each other. If anyone can name the killer, that person wins our game. Any questions? Alibari. Uh, that has a kick. Oh my God. What happened? Oh, holy shit. Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a murder, and the killer is in plain sight. For at least one person, this is not a game. I must insist that nobody touch the body. Jeez, detective, who killed the party? I need to find a motive for murder. Everyone would stab a friend in the back to hold on to this rich bastard. Ooh, 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 deal with it. You're all friends. Why would anyone commit murder? Are we even going to talk about the elephant in the room? Am I the elephant? Yeah, you're the elephant. You're not that bad. Are you calling me dangerous? Well, we'll see. Let it all out. Hell yeah! This is reckless. The killer wouldn't hesitate to kill again if it covers their tracks. You must be really great at Clue, huh? I'm very bad at dumb things. Ticking boxes, running around, searching all the rooms. It's just a terrible, terrible game. All right, so just a little while ago, in this same episode, I was talking about The Gray Man and how Netflix bet big on that, and it's a big film, got a lot of things going on, and didn't really work. And I feel like it was it was a little bit of a risky bet, seemed like a safe bet, didn't pan out. Here, feels like very much the same situation. The nice thing is, this is a sequel, so I think you kind of established, well, there's a little bit of a track record, you know? So we've got this written and directed by Ryan Johnson, who, from my money, of his generation, is probably one of the smartest and most thoughtful and creative filmmakers around. And, you know, I, I couldn't even really necessarily say which generation that is. I just know it's not like the era of Spielberg and Scorsese. It's not even the generation with Fincher and PTA and all that. 
here we've got a filmmaker who's really taking a different approach to what is not necessarily new territory, you know, the big murder mystery. I mean, we go back to Agatha Christie. We go back to Sherlock Holmes from a hundred years ago. This film has all those elements, and yet somehow it's fresh. And I think a lot of that has to do with the writing. It's got a little bit of satire. It's got a little bit of a stinging commentary on what's going on in the world. So in Knives Out, we get our first introduction to Benoit Blanc, who is played by Daniel Craig. He's like a world-famous detective. He's known for solving all the impossible mysteries and crimes and being fast and being smart and being so just clever in figuring these things out. Even in this film, there are mentions and hints that there are other cases that have happened that he's known for. And so this, at least, it gives us a, it gives us a different look at this character. And not just how he deals with a new set of suspects or a new case, but it, the film starts with him. It's not necessarily about the, the murder suspect or the person who's murdered. Although a lot of the second half of the story really revolves around that. The introduction is from his point of view and him coming into this fold and meeting all these people and just the different personalities and even the location of it. And on top of all of that, the pandemic that's thrown in there too. And very smartly, very strategically, it's all at the beginning because we're going from everybody in the real world going to this remote location where, okay, we don't got to worry about masks now. And we got some magic shot that makes everybody good. But in those early scenes, we're getting like little digs and little points of understanding how these people have been moving in our world that we are moving it. And... Even something as silly as like a character who's wearing a face mask that is basically just like a like a fishnet. It's one of those that like we've seen that. We we've all at this point experienced like how ridiculous that is. And when we see someone like that, that's just uh, it's an interesting commentary that really didn't need to be in the film. But now that it's in there and you see it in the context, it gives you an it gives you an idea of who that character is and set you up for what to think about them. And all of that, I mean, every character has that. And they're not just plain stereotypes or cliches. Uh, one of the characters in particular, I don't want to spoil anything with this because it really is about uncovering all the layers of this thing. One of the characters is not what they seem. So that's a big recommendation for me. That's Glass Onion. Check that one out. I think that's only on Netflix. It was in theaters for like a week and now only on Netflix. All right. So let's move to the next one here. And, you know, I mentioned this list from IMDb, right? Top films of 2022. All these other films I've talked about in previous episodes, aside from the last few that I just mentioned here. This next one, I just want to talk about this because I feel like there's so much that is bound to be buzzing about this film. It's, I mean, how could I deny talking about this? And that is Film Streak 178, Avatar, The Way of Water. 
why do you come to us? I just want to keep my family safe. Treat them as our brothers and sisters. Teach them our ways. Keep up, Forest Boy! If you want to live here, you have to ride. Let's do it. Just breathe. Breathe. That's all they see. I see you. I'm a warrior like you, I'm supposed to fight. Protect the people. Let's get it done. Uh, what do, where do we start here? You know, this is a film that is a sequel to Avatar from 2009, written and directed by James Cameron. And after all these years, um, I was getting to the point where I thought this was just, it was just talk. Like this film was not actually going to come out. And even when it got to the point where they said, oh, they're making like three sequels at the same time. There's going to be four of these movies. I thought, well, no way that's happening. I mean, maybe it would have happened like in 2012 or 15, you know, give it, give it a little bit of space to make some more of these and then just knock them out. But here we're 13 years later and this is finally coming around. And, uh, you know, I think at this point, for better or worse, anybody who follows filmmakers or is interested in movies, you at least have an understanding of James Cameron and his types of films and the success that he's had with his types of films. It's really foolish to kind of bet against him at this point. Fair. That's a fair point. Whether you like his films or not, whether you think they're good or bad or stupid or, or smart I mean, the track record speaks for itself. So, you know, thinking that, oh, these movies are never going to come out, that was probably foolish thinking. And so now that we're here, now that we've got the second movie in this series, what do we say about it? I mean, everything is different about movie going, about the landscape of just theaters and cinemas and how people watch movies and will people still care about this? Will people still care about these characters or this world or even the basic story of the first movie here? Now we're in, I'm recording this after its second weekend and it got a little bit of a smaller start than expected. Still a giant hit. 
clearly the the interest is still there. I don't know that it, that's necessarily from my part. I mean, I saw Avatar when it came out in 2009, and I've seen it probably a few times on home video, on Blu-ray, or, or even streaming. And um, a lot of it still impresses you know, visually and technically on, on those levels. With every screening, though, the story and the just basic premise of it does start to feel more and more, um, I don't know, like an afterthought. It doesn't really engage maybe the way it would have on the first viewing at least. And so I could see that it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily stand the test of time in that regard. Now as a visual spectacle, the marvel of it is still there. I mean, I can still watch the first movie and I just, I look at any given shot in that film and I just wonder how did they do this? And here with avatar, the way of water, all these years later, you would think, oh, this is going to be like uh, watching Toy Story and then Toy Story 4. Like, these don't look like they are from the same filmmakers. Like, something is radically different because so much time has passed. Well, I guess that's maybe the way that would work when it's like a, a an iterative process. But here, I think the idea was that first film set the bar so high in terms of what you saw on screen, that this film, it was easy to hit that bar and maintain that. But then it's like, we got to go even further. We got to set a new bar, even higher. And yet, you don't necessarily feel like it's been, like the technology hasn't changed in terms of what you see the, the quality of pictures, the quality of the characters or the designs or whatever, that feels consistent. And I'm sure that will with the next two, what, two films, I guess. And I think that's where the exercise is at here. That's where the bigger picture is. It's maybe not even the story. Maybe not these characters. And maybe there's a little bit of a, of a message about what we're doing to our world and the environment. And that's important. But the other bigger picture thing that's going on here, I think, is that this is what can happen when you have a, look, arguably one of the master filmmakers today. When you have him fully exercise his vision for what he's trying to do. Now, you could say, well, I mean, okay, let him make all these fun characters and all this, or let them have all these adventures or whatever. It's not that. It's this world. It's this environment that are, I, I mean, undeniable. So much of this film, I mean, like 98% of this film is not real, right? And yet every frame, every shot looks 100% real. And it was that way in the first film. And that is one of those that is, by any other measure, impossible to do. And yet, here you let a filmmaker who really has the, the vision of decades of ideas and work put into this, 
And this is the result. It's a seamless vision of a world and an experience that you, you won't get anywhere else. It cannot be replicated. And so, you know, that, that really doesn't address anything about what this film is actually about. The characters of the story or anything like that. But that's kind of the biggest takeaway I've seen at this point. Now, I feel like there's an interesting part of this story, if we want to get into that, that has um, bigger ideas that weren't addressed in this film and clearly will probably come into play in the next one or the one after that. As far as that, we just got a little taste. We got a little teaser for bigger, even crazier things that are coming. So I didn't really look at it too much in terms of the story. The story itself, it takes a different approach. If we're talking about the the plot here, I mean, we've got Jake Sully, who in the first film was a human, kind of moving around in an avatar body as a Navi. And here, after everything that happened in the first film, at the end, he basically is transferred to a Navi body and moves with them. He's no longer human. He no longer moves in the human world. And a matter of fact, most of the humans are gone. They got kind of run off at the end of the first film, right? And so here, we're kind of reintroduced. We're picking up with these characters after some years because now they've got a family. They got three kids and, or uh, more than that, they've got three children and then an adopted, two adopted kids, I guess. One human and one... We're not sure yet. Possibly Navi, possibly some other origin. So with all that said, Jake is now a dad. He's a husband. It can be scary. It can be frustrating. It can be confusing. And yet you got to make it work. You got to find a way. And so there's a lot of that in this film. And that's, that's good. That's interesting to have that kind of, I guess, depth to it. I feel like that all of that takes a backseat to just the world. So in this, Jake, Natiri, they take their family, they leave the forest, they go to the oceans, and they try to basically find some safety with this tribe uh, who live off the water. And their whole culture is based on the water and, you know, sea life and, and all of that. And that's a new dimension to this world. And yet, if you think about it, or at least across my mind, is I'm me. I've got my family. I live in this part of the world that I live in on Earth. Well, I can go 50 miles in one direction. There's a whole different quote-unquote tribe there. And maybe they live off the ocean. I can go 200 miles in the other direction. And I... I'm in the mountains or I'm in the hills or I'm in the the deserts or I'm in. So what I'm trying to say is there are this world of Pandora. There are so many possibilities of different characters and different cultures and stories that I just, uh, I wanted to see a little more of that. And we got some of it. Don't get me wrong. We certainly got other characters and their situations to deal with. And even when the humans return, and they return with a little bit of a different mission, we we get a different context there too. 
But I guess that's where, hey, look, I just got to be patient. I got to wait for the next one to come out, or maybe the next two films are going to explore some other environments, some other cultures, maybe some other, um, I don't want to say dimensions, but some other spiritual elements to this whole thing that we have just barely scratched the surface on. So in that regard, I'm interested for the next one now. I'm ready. Give me more. And like I said, if that's the whole design of this entire thing, Avatar is not just, oh, let's tell the story of these characters, because why wouldn't they just be human? It's about creating a world, creating an experience that is just undeniable. You cannot, you cannot poke a hole in. And so success, you know, you did it. I don't know if I would, I, I'm, I've been thinking like, how do I compare it to the first? Is it better? Is it not as good? Um, uh, I don't know. I, I think only time is really going to tell on that. Cause I feel like this, it has its own arc. It has a beginning, it has an end, but I feel like it doesn't wrap up the question, some questions from the first film. And then it doesn't even wrap up all of its own questions that it presents. So it's a little bit open-ended in some elements. And look, there are other people that could probably go far deeper into the plot and all the the logic of it and the characters. I've just given you what I feel like is the 10,000-foot point of view. It's not really about these characters in this story. That's what passes the time. But I feel like we're watching this movie. We're watching this character do this thing go to this place. And it's like, I just want to turn the camera 180 degrees. Let me see what else is over here. Look to the left, look to the right. And, you know, I don't know if that has ever been a part of the thinking with this as a franchise now. Maybe with the first movie, it was entirely standalone. But once it kind of got blown out into a series now, I could see that where we get to the day Maybe five years from now, where Pandora is a real, um, I say real, it's like a virtual experience. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if you, VR or, or whatever, metaverse or whatever, you know, all this nonsense. But I could see where that's the next level. Like we're moving out of just linear film storytelling and Pandora and the Avatar franchise moves into a real-time, persistent, I don't know, environment or something. That would be, look, that would be the the, the top of the mountain, right? Uh, James Cameron, I think he would be the winner of everything at that point. So it's not the best movie of the year, I don't think, but it's certainly a technical achievement again. And uh, I think it's pointing to something bigger and wilder on the horizon. So that's my take on avatar. Go see it. You might as well. Everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to talk to you about it. And you're going to be the one. It's like, I don't, I didn't see it. I don't know what that is. Go see it. Okay. All right. Oh man, that was an episode. So that is, uh, that's another episode of film streak. I just, uh, I appreciate you listening. Thanks for checking this out. Thanks for kind of rocking with this. Um, 
Uh, it's been a crazy year. I've seen a lot of interesting movies. I've seen some really great ones. I've seen some duds too, but uh, I hope you, if you've followed any of these episodes, listen to as many as you can, or at least look at the titles, look at the films that are on the film streak so far and see what you think. Maybe you've been wanting to see one of these films and never got around to it, just like me. Well, I'll give you my take on it, but at least that might get you started. If that points you in the direction of, I like what he's saying, let me go check it out. Okay. Or it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and watch it now because this guy is wrong. Okay, do that too. Either way, the, the, the goal is just watch something new. Try it. You might discover some things, learn some things, think some things that you hadn't considered before. So that's another episode of Film Streak. I'm stuttering because I'm tired, but we're going to power through. We're going to move to next year. We're going to start with some new stuff next year. In the meantime, go to filmstreak.com. Check out the other episodes. You can subscribe. You can sign up to get it by email. You can get the IMDb list with every film on Filmstreak so far. Uh, you can even leave a comment there. Leave a comment on the episode. Tell me what do you think. And uh, in the meantime, as always, I'm going to go watch some new movies. Happy New Year! Happy New Year!